Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning, everybody. It is 10 o'clock, 94 WIP. A uh, brisk Saturday in the Delaware Valley, along with my pal Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn Mack now, and uh, Mike, first of all, how are you? Good morning. Nice to see you. You too, sir. Good to be with you. Good to be back. So today, we're going to move ahead. We're going to look at the Eagles going forward. We're going to look at the Phillies headed into a new season. We're going to examine the Sixers at the All-Star break. We're going to maybe bemoan the Flyers just a little bit. Just for 30 seconds or so. Uh, But first, closure. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe this is all part of the therapeutic this process is all, yeah, for me. You know, I know people have been doing it all week, and I've listened to the station a lot. And I know, I mean, people do compare it to the stages of dying, and I do think there's a certain uh, connection there. But all right, l- let's get this out of the way, and and give me just a moment here to unfold this. They lost last Sunday. They lost the Super Bowl for for many reasons. They and I can't point the finger at one guy, which certainly does not exoner- exonerate Jonathan Gannon, who <laughs> had a, did a terrible job. The defense was atrocious in the second half. They didn't adjust. They couldn't make a play. I heard Mike Lombardi on the station this week saying they defended one pass. In the entire game. One pass. Yeah. And, and they had no pass rush. All game, the best pass rush in the last in the league did nothing. They were slipping, sliding on the turf. But it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. They lost because of Sam Allo's legal motion penalty and then the fumble. And the damn punt return off of Sipos' lame line drive. And the bad penalty call, of course. And maybe Nick not being as daring. And Slay neglecting to cover somebody on that last touchdown pass. So here's my question to you. Mike Sealski. we remember these critical, horrible losses often for moments. The Joe Carter home run in 1993. That's the vision that's etched mm-hmm. in our minds. The... The, the Rondé Barber pick six against McNabb in 2002, the final game at the vet. Ryan Howard collapsing at the plate, the fallen hero in 2011. Ten years from now, mm-hmm. when you're doing the show and I'm lying on a beach somewhere, <laughs> how are we going to remember this? What's going to be the play, the moment, the vision, the image that, right? Because it did, first of all, do you agree with my premise? Yes, okay. completely. It, it, I mean, there's the Phillies lost that 2011 um, series for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but, the, but the image is Howard at the plate. Yeah. Falling down. Yeah. Torn Achilles. Yeah. I think there's an easy candidate for this, Glenn. I think the moment that people are going to think back to is the James Bradbury penalty. Oh, yeah. Because even with all of the factors that you mentioned, all the mistakes that the Eagles made, that game was still tied at 35, and the way that sequence played out, if you were watching that game on television, or even for those of us in the press box, you thought, okay, the Chiefs are going to kick a field goal here. Even if Harrison Butker makes it, the Chiefs are up three with, what, a minute 40 to go. The Eagles are going to get the ball back, and they're going to have an opportunity to tie or win the game. 
And even if you're not rooting for the Eagles or you don't care who wins the game, that is an exciting finish for any football fan. And every Eagles fan in the Delaware Valley and around the country is there saying, okay, here's our chance. We had Nick Foles to Zach Ertz five years ago. We had Brandon Graham sacking Tom Brady five years ago. Now's our chance for Jalen Hurts to be a hero. And then you see the flag. And all that is taken away. Mm. And I think that's the moment that everybody's going to remember. You're probably right. Does that make us, I don't want to say whiners, because I, I it's not really what I want to say, but does that, they lost that game for a lot of reasons other than the ref. It was, I, I mm-hmm. think it was a bad call. It was, it, well, it was the wrong call at that time because, again, you hadn't made that call all day. Now you choose to make that mm-hmm. little ticky-tack call. But if that's how we remember it, are we remembering it because the ref screwed us? No, I don't think so. I think we're we're remembering it because of its context, because of when and how it happened. Uh, it, it's different from it. It's different from any other play in that game because up to that moment, each of those mistakes—the punt return, the Sayamalu penalty. Oh, the punt return. Uh, Nick's decision not to go for it on fourth down, which I think was more significant than most people have discussed this week. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things aren't as dramatic and don't have the buildup that that play does. Because in that moment, if you're an Eagles fan, you're saying to yourself, our team is getting the ball back with a chance to win the right. game. You're still clutching the hope and you have good reason to clutch the right. hope. They could still have won the game. That ended the game. There's no yeah. question about that. No, that's that, it. Would they get the ball back with four seconds to go? And yeah. then try. By the way, when uh, when Hertz finally threw that hail mary, his his shoulder was shot. Yeah. Oh gosh. He had nothing left. Oh in man. It. He had nothing left in it. But listen, he he played a great game. Uh, he really he was incredible. Yeah, I was I great. think he should have been the MVP. Um, that you know, interesting. He was the best player on the field. If he had been the MVP, the national blowback on that would have been huge. The guy fumbles for a touchdown, and you're giving him the MVP? Yeah. I mean, look. He was the best player in the game. He was, although, I mean, gosh, what Patrick Mahomes did on a bad ankle, running for the yards that he ran for and throwing three touchdown passes. 33 yards, and those guys are just whiffing. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny, Glenn. I was was re-watching and thinking about the game again, and there's one play, I think it was in the third quarter, that kind of captured the whole uh, tenor of it to me. There. Mahomes scrambles. The Eagles are trying to get him. Hassan Reddick's been chasing him all day. And Mahomes breaks from the pocket, kind of rolls to his left, rolls back to his right, throws across his body, kind of sidearm into the middle of the field. And Travis Kelsey makes the catch. Yeah, like two in- The ball's like two inches yeah, off the ground. It's a great catch. And it's one of those plays where I would imagine if you're a defensive player, if you're an Eagles player, you're like, what the hell do we have to do? Right. We did everything right, and this guy makes that throw, and that guy makes that catch. Yeah. Um, so let's throw that out there, and I, we really uh, want to hear what people have to say. 215-592-9494. What, what will be the moment that 10 years ago we will remember? This week, we hope it was cathartic on 94 WIP, and we talked about the refs, and we talked about the bad field, and we talked about the horrible punt and the bad special teams and everything else that went into it. And the fumble. And the, the fumble. The fumble. All of it. What will be the one that 10 years from now that we're going to say, oh, yeah, that's Super Bowl. That was that. We do agree it was such a missed opportunity. It was. It was. And I think, you know, I'm saying on the one hand, Jalen Hurts should have been the MVP because of everything he did to keep the Eagles in that game. But you cannot minimize the significance of that fumble. 
mm-hmm. and that and what it led to. You know, the Eagles are up fourteen to seven. They're moving the ball. Uh, the Chiefs haven't shown really that they can stop them yet. Uh, you've got a chance to take a two-score lead in the first half and really bury them, and it's an unforced error, and it swings the game completely around uh, in a way that um, the, the the game was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a shame because Hurts played such a magnificent game other than that, but, man, that one hurt. All right, one other thing I get to, we'll get a call or two in here, which is um, – how much did this one hurt? And I, I heard a lot of people in the aftermath saying, oh, man, this one hurts as much as any, and this one's killing me, and so on. And, and I don't think so. It may in the moment, right, because mm-hmm. you're up in that game and you have every chance to win, and then you blow it, you choke, and so on. But you wrote a column during the week um, that I think is, was, was really good, saying we've been angrier before for good reason. Yeah, look— uh- this may be a function of age and the fact that I've been following Philadelphia sports my whole life and can remember these things, but we did go 25 years in this city without any kind of championship at all. And then when the Phillies won in 2008, the city went another close to 10 years before the Eagles won again. So that wore on people a lot. And I think that the the memory, the residue of the Eagles Super Bowl victory in 2017-18 is still here. And so while people are disappointed, you're always disappointed when your team loses a championship game, I don't think it hurts as much for that reason. In, in 17 and 18, and your old partner can speak to this, there was this sense of, if they don't win this game, yeah, oh yeah, my father or me or my grandfather is never going to see the Eagles. And win I'm going the Super to my Bowl. grave, and I'll never have seen it. Exactly. I'll, I'll just to, to add one thing, just to put it in perspective, because and I moved here in 1986, which was three years into the dry spell that lasted forever. Mm-hmm. I was here for 22 years before they yep. won one. Um, but if you were, this is heading into the the 2017 Super Bowl. If you were like 10 years old when you saw the Eagles win in 1960, mm-hmm. you were collecting Social Security yeah. when they won it the next time. That's a lifetime. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I can speak to that. I mean, I, I've discussed this with my father, for instance, who's been a lifelong fan. He was 12 years old when they won in 60. And, and I honestly think that he had gotten to the point, I don't want to speak for him, where he was thinking, I'm never going to see them win a Super Bowl. Right. I'm 72, 70, whatever, however, sorry, Dad, I forget how old you are. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to see them win before I die. And I think hundreds of thousands of people felt that way, and that's why 17, 18 meant so much. And so that's still there. The other factor, too, is the Phillies went on an amazing run in October just to get to the World Series, filled with dramatic, incredible moments. I know you're not a soccer guy. I'm not a soccer guy. The soccer people who are out there derived a lot of enjoyment from the union, mm-hmm. making the run to the MLS Cup and the and the championship match there. And the Eagles season itself was kind of this pleasant surprise that we, we knew they'd be good. We didn't think they'd be this good. And, oh, my gosh, our quarterback, who we weren't sure about, has become a star. People at their core enjoy the ride. That's what they want out of sports. They want the ride. There's a reason that the best summer of my life was the summer of 1993 because I was a Phillies fan and that charge to the pennant came out of nowhere. It Even was though so you, much fun you ended that night. season crying in your bed? In your, in, I was in my, in my dorm room at LaSalle University my freshman oh, year okay. and yes, there were tears, I think. 
Um, but that's what people want. They want the ride. And the ride was really great. And we, you know, the city celebrated a championship just five years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. People don't want to say it right now because the wound is fresh, but it's it's not going to hurt as much as, as past losses because we got the win. Yeah. And you talked about optimism and fatalism. And I will tell you, having done this forever and been in this town uh, covering sports since the late 1980s and doing this on the radio since 93, the negadelphia is, is much less than it used to mm-hmm. be. The Philly fatalism is far less than it used to be because we had the two and it's, two's not enough, mm-hmm. but at least we got. The relationship was consummated. Yeah. It, I, I'll, put, I, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I get you. I, the, the comparison I would we make. We had when, our moment. That's <laughs> a dry spell. And, and it was and, glorious. And, and, yes. You know, dry spells can get can get tough. They can't. No, but the, I would just say the analogy I would draw would be. Uh, it's uh, going to be less profane than my analogy. <laughs> <laughs> this this radio show has been rated R by the Motion Picture yeah. Association of America. Um, what would be the 1983 World Series. Okay. My friend Tyler Kepner, who writes at the New York Times, grew mm-hmm. up in the Philly area, huge Phillies fan as a kid, speaks very much of how the 1983 World Series was his entrance into Philly fandom, and it really hurt him. He is the only person I know who mentions the 1983 World Series today as, oh, that just killed me. Because well, he was of a certain age. Because he was of a certain age, and the Phillies had won the World Series three years earlier. Right, but not to him. Right. I get it. I get it. Um, let's, uh, talk to V in Sharon Hill. V, how are you this morning? How are you holding up? Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rough week. Um, went to work. The first thing someone says is, how about them cheese? They just didn't know it was uh, going to be a uh, Nobody wants that. Did you throw coffee in his face? No, I just looked at her, a Giants fan, and thought, how about those Giants? All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as far as, like, I knew it was going to be a big challenge when I saw everyone falling on the field. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why is the field so messy? But the play that pissed me off was the one where A.J. Brown caught it and he held it on his shoulder as he went out of bounds. Then he lost control. He had control. Oh, the the Devontae Smith catch, yes. Yeah, there is there is that Thanks, v. V, that, there Hang is in. that feeling of helplessness in a game like that where a call doesn't go your way uh and it seems like how can they not see it? You know. How is this not helping us? What's going on here? Had Ross Tucker on the pregame last mm-hmm. Sunday and Ross said the one thing I really hope at the end of this game. He said, you know, obviously I'm rooting for the Eagles, but the one thing I really hope is at the end of the game the team we're not talking about is the refs. Mm. And we are. Yeah. And and the one and, and you can argue that the call against Bradbury was a penalty, and people do, and I get that. And you can argue that, eh, that wasn't a catch, and I get that. But the referees, again, for too many times, take what is the flow of a football game and ruin it. It, it took them three minutes to determine that wasn't a catch. Mm-hmm. If you can't figure it out in one minute, the play stands. Yeah, and and it's interesting too, Glenn, because if you remember after that overturned catch by Devontae, there was the play later where 
Miles Sanders catches the screen pass, gets popped, and it looks like he fumbles the ball. Right. And I thought that was a fumble. Mm-hmm. And I think if if I were guessing, I would say the reason that that was ruled an incomplete pass was because the officials looked at that Sanders play and the Devontae Smith play and said, Devontae Smith had control of the ball longer than Miles Sanders did. Mm-hmm. And we called the Devontae Smith play not a catch. Yeah. We can't call the Miles Sanders play a fumble, even if it is. Understand, my whining about the officials is not as an Eagles fan. Well, I mean, it is. No, it says more a than fan that. It says football. a football fan. Yes. Just butt out. Let him play the game. Yeah. All right. I want to get something in here in the first segment. And I certainly am hoping that people will talk about this today because I do want to talk today about Angelo Cataldi and his retirement after an amazing career. Um, more than that, and or in addition to that, I want to talk about what WIP, 24-Hour Sports Radio, means in this community, and I'm hoping it doesn't come across as self-serving or, um, or that. But the influence and growth of this station from when Angelo started it and now that he ends is remarkable. And by the way, he's the largest part of the reason it has grown so much. So I want to talk about a bit what WIP means to you, and and feel free to rip as colleague and Crossing Broad did yesterday. But Angelo is a guy I really respect, um, and, and I'll start with this: you and I each have our own Angelo story, mm-hmm. and uh, yours is great. All right, so I'm a senior at LaSalle in the fall of 1996. Angelo joins the. Uh, faculty is an adjunct. He's going to teach a journalism class, sports writing class. I don't take the class, but I get to meet him. We're talking. We get to be a little bit friendly. And Angelo, as anyone who has listened to his show knows, graduated from the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. So I wanted to go there. uh, And because I thought, you know, I'm going to live in New York. I'm going to learn how to report. This is going to be great. Angelo, would you please write me a letter of recommendation? He says, absolutely. He gives me the letter. It's lovely. I mail off my application. I wait to hear. And I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And it gets to the point where I'm saying, something's not right here. I should have heard from Columbia by now. So I call up the admissions office, and they say, we have no application from you. It's, it's gone. There's no, who are you? There's nothing here. So I'm like, oh, my God, it must have gotten lost in the mail. So I go see Angelo, and I basically tell him, look, uh, thank you so much for the recommendation, but I don't know what happened. My application's gone. They don't have it. Oh, He says, wait a minute. He says, I'm going to handle this. A couple days go by. I see him again. He calls me and he says, "Uh, I called Columbia. I called the the admissions office. They found your application. He said, I got on the phone with them and I said, I'm an alumnus. This kid deserves a shot to to be part of your program. I'm not saying you got to let him in, but you got to find this application. And they found the application, and, wow. and I got, got in. And wow. I got in. And uh, so he, I owe him for that. If not for him, it would have been sitting in a drawer for all these years. Yeah, I don't know where it was, but they found it. Um, and it was because he called them and told them to go find it. That's a great story. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'll um, I'll t- I'll tell my own personal stuff with Angelo later. Uh, but I I worked with him before he came to WIP. But the the, the story is this, and this is. I really would love to hear people's perspective on this. I mean, Angela retiring is Jim Gardner retiring. Angela retiring is, you know, the the most important person in sports media in this city over the last three decades. I just don't, I don't think that can be argued. No, I, I don't even I'm know. I'm not sure you can. I don't even know who's second, but he's yeah. first. 
Um, Probably Eskin. No, I can't. can't. Um, he, a- Angelo came to WIP when it was beginning. We were we were doing this little one-hour show in the morning, and he was clearly the best. And mm-hmm. he, he, he took the leap from newspapers, which at the time was highly risky, to work with Tom Brookshire, who was great. By the way, they started a WIP Hall of Fame yesterday with Tom Brookshire wow. and Angelo Cataldi, and it was a brilliant move by management to do it, and something I'm, I I think is great, and I know how honored he was. Um, and he started, and he was like a little nervous about it and a little mm-hmm. shy about it, and and more of a newspaper guy kind of, you know, got to be objective kind of thing. Right. But learned it and learned it fast, had the Best work ethic of anybody I've ever seen. Kept amazing hours. They would get in here at 2.30 in the morning and listen to cuts and watch stuff and form opinions. Created a team with Al and Rhea and Jonesy and Conklin and Wechter um, that was better than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. And for all of these years, carried the sports conversation in Philadelphia. Uh, when it's an Eagles game is over on Sunday, Monday morning, everybody turns in. Mm-hmm. What does Angelo have to say? Yeah, and he more than anybody lead led has led the dialogue in this city for so long, and done it brilliantly. And you can disagree with him, and I often do. And you can find him buffoonish, which he will admit he sometimes is, and he straddles a line sometimes between reasoned opinion and just kind of being a. a, a, a Jackass, mm-hmm. which he will admit he is too, mm-hmm. but man, he made it work, and he built WIP. I mean, Tom Bigby was the program director that kind of put WIP in the direction it has now, and there have been other great hosts here, and I've been delighted to be involved for all these years, but we all know it's been Angelo's station, yeah. and so I just want to open open the lines to people who want to talk about Angelo or talk about the station or talk about the nature of the medium and whatever, and if... If you if you disagree with any of this, by all means, uh, feel free to call and chip in. Yeah, I think you put your finger, Glenn, on what was ingenious about what Angelo did, which was the and you use the right phrase, the straddling of the line between seriousness and humor and comedy, particularly self-deprecating humor and comedy. Right, oh, yeah. as you said, the jackass element, so to speak. The analogy I would draw would be to John Stewart on the Daily Show, where because of his audience and because of his intelligence, you had to take him seriously. And to a certain degree, he wanted to be taken seriously. But if you pushed back against him, if Gabe Kapler got angry, if Nick Sirianni didn't like a question that was being asked or something along those lines, Angelo could always kind of put up the shield of, why are you taking me so seriously? I'm the wing bowl guy. I'm the, uh, I'm the guy who's doing silly voices and, mm-hmm. you know, can be, you know, just funny and silly and kind of a goober in a way. So why are you taking me so seriously? And it made him kind of untouchable in this way, uh, this force field where you, you couldn't push back on him too much. And that that kind of is the genius of what he did. And I'm really curious, honestly, to see how the, the impression of Philadelphia media and fandom changes if at all without him here because i think he was a big driver or reason that people drew certain conclusions about philadelphia and the market yeah uh, was, oh i do too him. yeah inside and outside you're yeah. right yeah P- people nationally saw philadelphia through the lens of uh angelo Cataldi. yes which some people will say is a bad thing 
whether it's good or bad, it's definitely It was true. the reality. And yeah. I'll, I'll just say this. We have a new morning team coming in uh, with Joe and John and James, and I think those guys are going to do a great job. They have big shoes to fill. They know that. But uh, the station will continue to move forward. So whatever you have to say, it's it's we rarely have these kind of days where we talk about ourselves, the station. But with Angelo leaving, I think it's kind of appropriate. So I'd love your feedback on that. 215-592-9494. Kevin and Warren, you guys are coming up next, and then we'll add to it. Oh, but next, Mike, oh, we settle some scores and we settle some bets. Oh, no. (laughs) Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now, Saturday morning on 94 WIP. (laughs) We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.